Merchant Ever by Barbara Robinson. The Herdmans were absolutely the worst kids in the history of the world. They lied and they stole and they smoked cigars, even the girls. And they talked dirty and they hit little kids and they cussed their teachers and they took the name of the Lord in vain and set fire to Fred Shoemaker's old broken down tool house. They were just so all around awful, you could hardly believe that they were real. Ralph, Imogene, Leroy, Claude, Ollie, and Gladys. Six skinny, stringy haired kids, all alike except for being different sizes and having different black and blue places where they had clunked each other. They lived over a garage at the bottom of Sproul Hill. Nobody used the garage anymore, but the Herdmans used to bang the door up and down just as fast as they could and try to squash one another. That was their idea of a game. Where other people had grass in their front yard, the Herdmans had rocks. And where other people had hydrangea bushes, the Herdmans had poison ivy. We figured they were, straight, they were headed straight for hell by way of the state penitentiary until they got themselves mixed up with the church and my mother and our Christmas pageant. Now, my mother didn't expect to have anything to do with the Christmas pageant except to make me and my little brother Charlie be in it, and we didn't want to, and to make my father go and see it. He didn't want to. But when she, then she got stuck with the whole thing when Mrs. George Armstrong fell and broke her leg. Now we knew about this as soon as it happened because Mrs. Armstrong only lived a block and a half away. We heard the siren and we saw the ambulance and we watched the policeman carry her out of the house on a stretcher. Even in pain, Mrs. Armstrong could still give orders. She was so good at giving orders that she was just naturally the head of anything she belonged to. And at church, she did everything but preach. Most of all, she ran the Christmas pageant every year. And there she was, two weeks before Thanksgiving, flat on her back. I don't know what we'll do now about the pageant, Mother said. What they did was to put my mother in charge. Now, our Christmas pageant isn't what you'd call four-star entertainment. Mrs. Armstrong breaking her leg was the only unexpected thing that ever happened to it. The script is standard. The inn, the stable, the shepherds, the star, and so are the costumes, and so is the casting. It's always just the Christmas story, year after year, with people shuffling around in bathrobes and bed sheets and sharp wings. Of course, <clears throat> nobody ever thought about the Herdmans in connection with the Christmas pageant. Most of us spent all week in school being pounded and poked and pushed around by Herdmans, and we looked forward to Sunday as a real day of rest. Well, in the end, it was Charlie's fault that the Herdmans showed up in church. 
For three days in a row, Leroy Herdman stole the dessert from Charlie's lunchbox, and finally, Charlie just gave up trying to do anything about it. Oh, go on and take it, he said. I don't care. I get all the dessert I want at Sunday school. <laughs> of course, that was the wrong thing to tell Herdman's if you wanted them to stay away. And sure enough, the very next Sunday, there they were, slouching into Sunday school, eyes peeled for the refreshments. Where do you get the cake? Ralph asked the Sunday school superintendent. And Mr. Grady said, well, son, I, I don't know about any cake, but, but they're collecting the food packages out in the kitchen. What he meant was the canned stuff we brought in every year as a Thanksgiving present for the orphan's home. It was just our bad luck that the Herdmans picked that Sunday to come because when they saw all the cans of spaghetti and beans and grape drink and peanut butter, they figured there might be some truth to what Charlie had said about refreshments. So they stayed. They didn't sing any hymns or say any prayers, but they did make a little money because I saw Imogene snake a handful of coins out of the collection basket when it went past her. At the end of the morning, Mr. Grady came to every class and made an announcement. We'll be starting rehearsals soon for our Christmas pageant, he said, and next week after the service, we'll all gather in the back of the church to decide who will play the main roles. But of course, we want every boy and girl in our Sunday school to take part in the pageant, so be sure your parents know that you'll be staying a little later next Sunday. All of a sudden, Imogene Herdman dug me in the ribs with her elbow. She has the sharpest elbows of anybody I know. What's a pageant? She said. It's a play, I said. And for the first time that day, except that when she saw the collection basket, Imogene looked interested. What's the play about? Imogene asked. It's about Jesus, I said. Everything here is, she muttered. So I figured Imogene didn't care much about the Christmas pageant. But I was wrong. After church that next Sunday, we all filed into the back seven pews along with two or three Sunday school teachers who were supposed to keep everybody quiet. It was a terrible time to try to keep everybody quiet. All the little kids were tired, and the big kids were hungry, and all the mothers wanted to go home and cook dinner, and all the fathers wanted to go home and watch the football game on TV. Now, this isn't going to take very long, Mother told us. My father had said it better not take long, because he wanted to go watch the football game, too. Now, you little children in the cradle room in the primary class will be our angels, Mother said. You'll like that, won't you? They all said yes. What else could they say? The older boys and girls will be shepherds and guests at the inn and members of the choir. Mother was really zipping along, and I thought how mad Mrs. Armstrong would be about all the things that she was leaving out. And we need Mary and Joseph and three wise men and the angel of the Lord. They aren't hard parts, but they're very important parts, so those people must absolutely come to every rehearsal. Now, we all know what kind of person Mary was. She was quiet and gentle and kind, and the little girl who plays Mary should try to be that kind of person. I know that many of you would like to be Mary in our pageant, but of course we can only have one Mary, 
So I'll ask for volunteers, and then we'll all decide together which girl should get the part. That was pretty safe to say, since the only person who ever raised her hand was Alice Wendelkin. But Alice just sat there, chewing on a piece of her hair and looking down at the floor. And the only person who raised her hand this time was Ima Jean Herdman. Did you have a question, Ima Jean, Mother asked. I guess that was the only reason she could think of for Ima Jean to have her hand up. No, Ima Jean said. I want to be Mary. She looked back over her shoulder. And Ralph? Ralph wants to be Joseph. Yeah, Ralph said. Mother just stared at them. She couldn't believe it. Well, she said after a minute, we want to be sure everyone has a chance. Does anyone else want to volunteer to be Joseph? No one did. All right, Mother said, Ralph will be our Joseph. Now, does anyone else want to volunteer for Mary? Mother looked all around, trying to catch somebody's eye, anybody's eye. Janet? Roberta? Alice, don't you want to volunteer this year? No, Alice said so low you could hardly hear her. I don't want to. Nobody volunteered to be Wiseman either, except Leroy Claude and Ollie Herdman. <laughs> so there was my mother, stuck with a Christmas pageant full of Herdmans in the main roles. There was one Herdman left over and one main role left over, and you didn't have to be very smart to figure out that Gladys was going to be the angel of the Lord. While everyone was leaving, Mother grabbed Alice Wendelkin by the arm and said, Alice, why in the world didn't you raise your hand to be Mary? I don't know, Alice said, looking mad. But I knew. I heard Imogene Herdman telling Alice what would happen to her if she dared to volunteer. Aww. All the ordinary, everyday Herdman things, like clonking you on the head, drawing pictures all over your homework papers, and putting worms in your coat pocket. I don't care, Alice told her. I don't care what you do. I'm always Mary in the pageant. And next spring, Imogene went on, squinching up her eyes, when the pussy willows come out, I'll stick a pussy willow so far down your ear that nobody can reach it. And it'll sprout there and it'll grow and grow and you'll spend the rest of your life with a pussy willow bush growing out of your ear. <laughs> so that was why Alice kept her mouth shut about being Mary. You know she wouldn't do all those things, she said. I told Alice as we walked home. Oh, yes, she would, Alice said. Herdman's will do anything. But your mother should have told them no. Somebody should put Imogene out of the pageant and all the rest of them too. They'll do something terrible and they'll ruin the whole thing. I thought she was probably right. And so did lots of other people. And for two or three days, all anybody could talk about was the Herdmans being Mary and Joseph and all. <clears throat> the first pageant rehearsal was usually about as much fun as a three-hour ride on the school bus, and just as noisy and crowded. This rehearsal, though, was different. Everybody shut up and settled down right away for fear of missing something awful that the Herdmans might do. They got there ten minutes late, 
sliding into the room like a bunch of outlaws about to shoot up a saloon. Mother said, and here's the Herdman family. We are glad to see you all, which was probably the biggest lie ever said right out loud in church. <clears throat> Imogen smiled. The Herdman smile, we called it sly and sneaky. And there they sat, the closest thing to criminals that we knew about. And they were going to represent the best and the beaut most beautiful. No, no wonder everybody was so worked up. Mother started to separate everyone into angels and shepherds and the guests at the inn, but right away she ran into trouble. Who were the shepherds, Leroy Herdman wanted to know. Where did they come from? Ollie Herdman didn't even know what a shepherd was. Or anyway, that's what he said. What was the inn, Claude asked. What's an inn? It's like a motel, somebody told him, where people go to spend the night. What people, Claude said. Jesus? Oh, honestly, Alice Wimbledon grumbled. Jesus wasn't even born yet. Mary and Joseph weren't there. Why, Ralph asked. What happened first, Imogene hollered at my mother. Begin at the beginning. Well, that really scared me, because the beginning would be the book of Genesis, <laughs> where it says in the beginning. And if we were going to have to start with the book of Genesis, we'd never get through. The thing was, the Herdmans didn't know anything about the Christmas story. They knew that Christmas was Jesus' birthday, but everything else was news to them. The shepherds, the wise men, the star, the stable, the crowded inn. It was hard to believe. They just didn't know. So Mother said that she'd better begin by reading the Christmas story from the Bible. This was a pain in the neck to most of us because we knew the whole thing backward and forward and never had to be told anything except who we were supposed to be and when we were where we were supposed to stand. Well, Joseph and Mary and his espoused wife being great with child, my mother read. Pregnant, yelled Ralph Herdman. Well, that stirred things up. All the big kids began to giggle, and all the little kids wanted to know what was so funny, and mother had to hammer on the floor with a blackboard pointer. That's enough, Ralph, she said, and went on with the story. I don't think it's very nice to say Mary was pregnant, Alice whispered to me. But she was, I pointed out to her. I'm not supposed to talk about people being pregnant. Alice folded her hands in her lap and pinched her lips together. I'd better tell my mother. I was pretty sure she'd do it. She wanted to be Mary, and she was mad at mother. But there wasn't much I could do about it except pinch Alice, which I did. She yelped, and Mother separated us and made me sit beside Imogene Herdman and sent Alice to sit in the middle of the baby angels. Now, I wasn't crazy to sit next to Imogene. After all, I'd spent my whole life staying away from her. But she didn't even notice me. Not much, anyway. Shut up, was all she said. I want to hear. I couldn't believe it. Among other things, the Herdmans were famous for never sitting still and never paying attention to anyone, teachers, parents, their own or anybody else's, and truant officer, the police. Yet here they were, eyes glued on my mother, taking in every word. What's that, they would yell whenever they didn't understand the language. And, and when mother read about there being no room at the inn, Imogene's jaw dropped and she sat up in her seat. My God, she said, not even for Jesus. 
I saw Alice purse her lips together, so I knew there was something else Mrs. Endelkin would hear, Wendelkin would hear about swearing in church. <clears throat> well, now, after all, Mother explained, nobody knew the baby was going to turn out to be Jesus. You said Mary knew, Ralph said. Why didn't she tell them? I would have told them, Imogene put in. Boy, I would have told them. What was the matter with Joseph that he didn't tell them? Her pregnant and everything, she grumbled. What was that thing they laid the baby in, Leroy said? That manger, is, is that like a bed? Why would they have a bed in the barn? That's just the point, Mother said. They didn't have a bed in the barn, so Mary and Joseph had to use whatever there was. What would you do if you had a new baby and no bed to put the baby in? We put Gladys in a bureau drawer, Imogene offered. Anyway, Mother said, Mary and Joseph used the manger. A manger is a large wooden feeding trough for animals. What were the wadded up clothes, Claus wanted to know. The what, Mother said. You read about it. She wrapped him in wadded up clothes. Oh, swaddling clothes, Mother sighed. Long ago, people used to wrap their babies very tightly in big pieces of material so that they couldn't move around. It made the babies feel cozy and comfortable. I thought it probably just made the babies mad. Till then, I didn't know what swaddling clothes were either, and they sounded terrible. So I wasn't too surprised when Imogene got all excited about that. You mean they tied him up and put him in a feed box, she said? Where was the child welfare? <laughs> and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, Mother went on. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and shazam, Gladys yelled, flinging her arms out and smacking the kid next to her. What, Mother said. Mother never read amazing comics. <laughs> out of the black of the night, with horrible vengeance, the mighty Marvo. I don't know what you're talking about, Gladys, Mother said. This is the angel of the Lord who comes to the shepherds in the fields, and out of nowhere, right, Gladys said, in the black of the night, right? Well, Mother looked unhappy, in a way. So Gladys sat back down, looking very satisfied, as if this was at least one part of the Christmas story that made sense to her. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, Mother went on reading, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, That's you, Leroy, Ralph said, and Claude and Ollie, so pay attention. What does it mean, wise men, Ollie wanted to know. Were they like school teachers? No, Dumbbell, Claude said. It means like the President of the United States. Mother looked a little surprised and a little pleased. Why, that's actually very close, Claude, she said. Actually, they were kings. Well, it's about time, Imogene muttered. Maybe they'll tell the innkeeper where to get off and get the baby out of the barn. <clears throat> They saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him and presented him with gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. What's that stuff, Leroy wanted to know. Precious oils, Mother said, and fragrant resins. Oil? Imogene hollered. What kind of cheap king hands out oil for a present? You'd get better presents from the firemen. Then we came to King Herod. And the herdmen's never heard of him either. So Mother had to explain that it was Herod who sent the wise men to find baby Jesus. Was it him that sent the crummy presents? Holly wanted to know. 
and mother said it was worse than that. He planned to have the baby Jesus put to death. My God, Imogene said, he just got born and already they're out to kill him. The herdmen wanted to know all about Herod, what he looked like and how rich he was and whether he fought wars with people. He must have been the main king, Claude said, if he could make the other three do what he wanted to. If he was a king, Leroy said, I wouldn't let some king, other king push me around. You couldn't help it if it was the main king. I'd go be king somewhere else. Well, they were really interested in Herod, and I figured they liked him. He was so mean, he could have been their ancestor. <laughs> Herod Herdman. But I was wrong. Who's going to be Herod in this play, Leroy said. We don't show Herod in our pageant, Mother said, and they got all mad. They wanted somebody to be Herod so they could beat him up. <clears throat> I could not understand the Herdmans. You would have thought the Christmas story came right out of the FBI files. They got so involved with it, they wanted a bloody end to Herod, worried about Mary having her baby in a barn, and called the wise men a bunch of dirty spies. And then they left the first rehearsal arguing about whether Joseph should have set fire to the inn or just chased the innkeeper into the next county. <clears throat> On the night of the pageant, we didn't have any supper because my mother forgot to fix it. My father said that was all right. Between Mrs. Armstrong's telephone calls and the pageant rehearsals, he didn't expect supper anymore. When it's all over, he said, we'll go someplace and have hamburgers. But mother said when it was all over, she might want to go someplace and hide. <laughs> We've never once gone through the whole thing, she said. I don't know what's going to happen. It may be the first Christmas pageant in history where Joseph and the wise men get in a fight and Mary runs away with the baby. <laughs> she might be right, I thought, and I wondered what all of us in the angel choir ought to do in case that happened. It would be dumb for us just to stand there singing about the holy infant if Mary had run off with him. But nothing seemed very different at first. There was the usual big mess all over the place, baby angels getting poked in the eye by the other baby angels' wings, and, and grumpy shepherds stumbling over their bathrobes. <clears throat> but everything settled down, and at 7.30 the pageant began. While we sang Away in a Manger, the ushers lit candles all around the church, and the spotlight came on to be the star. After that, we sang two verses of O Little Town of Bethlehem, and then we were supposed to hum some more O Little Town of Bethlehem while Mary and Joseph came in from a side door, only they didn't come right away. So we hummed and we hummed and we hummed, which is boring and also very hard. I knew something like this would happen, Alice Wendelkin whispered to me. They didn't come at all. We won't have any Mary and Joseph. And now what are we supposed to do? I guess we would have gone on humming till we turned blue, but we didn't have to. Ralph and Imogene were there all right, only for once they did come through the door pushing each other out of the way. They just stood there for a minute as if they weren't sure they were in the right place because of the candles, I guess, and the church being full of people. They looked like people you see on the six o'clock news, refugees sent to wait in some strange, ugly place with all their boxes and sacks around them. It suddenly occurred to me that this was just the way it must have been for the real Holy Family, stuck away in a barn by people who didn't care much about what happened to them. 
They couldn't have been very neat and tidy either, but more like this, Mary and Joseph. Emma Jean's veil was cockeyed as usual, and Ralph's hair stuck out all around his ears. Emma Jean had the doll baby, but she wasn't carrying it the way she was supposed to, cradled in her arms. She had it slung up over her shoulder, and before she put it in the manger, she thumped it twice on the back. I heard Alice gasp, and she poked me. I don't think it's very nice to burp the baby Jesus, she said, as if he had colic. Then she poked me again. Do you suppose he, he could have had colic? Right away, we had to sing while the shepherds watched their flocks by night, and we had to sing very loud because there were more shepherds than there were anything else, and they made so much noise, banging their crooks around like a lot of hockey sticks. Next came Gladys from behind the angel choir, pushing people out of the way and stepping on everyone's feet. <clears throat> Since Gladys was the only one in the pageant who had anything to say, she made the most of it. Hey, unto you a child is born, she hollered as if it was for sure. The best news in the world. And all the shepherds trembled, sore afraid of Gladys, mainly. But it looked good anyway. Then came three carols about angels. It took that long to get the angels in because they were all primary kids and they got nervous and cried and forgot what they were supposed to go and where they were supposed to go and they bent their wings in the door and things like that. We got a little rest then while the boys sang We Three Kings of Orient Are and everybody in the audience shifted around to watch the wise men march up the aisle. What have they got? Alice whispered. I didn't know, but whatever it was, it was heavy. Leroy almost dropped it. He didn't have his frankincense jar either. And Claude and Ollie didn't have anything, although they were supposed to bring in the gold and the myrrh. I knew this would happen, Alice said for the second time. I bet it's something awful. Like what? Like, like a burnt offering. You know the herdmans. Well, they did burn things, but they hadn't burned this yet. It was a ham. And right away, I knew where it came from. My father was on the church charitable works committee. They give away food baskets at Christmas. And this was the herdman's Christmas basket, their food basket ham. It still had the ribbon around it saying, Merry Christmas. I'll bet they stole that, Alice said. They did not. It came from their food basket. And if they want to give away their own ham, I guess they can do it. But even if the herdman's didn't like ham, that was Alice's next idea. They had never before in their lives given anything away except lumps on the head. So you had to be impressed. Leroy dropped the ham in front of the manger. It looked funny to see a ham there instead of the fancy bath salt jars we always use for the myrrh and the frankincense. And then they went and sat down in the only space that was left. While we sang, What Child Is This?, the wise men were supposed to confer among themselves and then leave by a different door so everyone would understand that they were going home another way. But the herdmans forgot, or they didn't want to, or something, because they didn't confer, and they didn't leave either. They just sat there, and there wasn't anything that anyone could do about it. They're ruining the whole thing, Alice whispered. But they weren't at all. As a matter of fact, it made perfect sense for the wise men to sit down and rest. And I told them so. As for ruining the whole thing, it seemed to me that the herdmans had improved the pageant a lot, just by doing what came naturally, like burping a baby, for instance, or thinking a ham would make a better present than perfumed oil. And then it came time to sing Silent Night. 
When we got to Son of God Loves Pure Light, I happened to look at I'm a Jean, and I almost dropped my hymn book on the baby angel. Everyone had been waiting all this time then, arriving from the east. Whoops. For everybody had been waiting all this time for the herdmans to do something absolutely unexpected. And sure enough, that was what happened. Imogene Herdman was crying. In the candlelight, her face was all shiny with tears, and she didn't even bother to wipe them away. She just sat there, awful old Imogene in her crookedy veil, crying and crying and crying. Well, it was the best Christmas pageant ever. Everybody said so, but nobody seemed to know why. When it was over, people stood around the lobby of our church talking about what was different this year. There was something special, everyone said. They, they couldn't put their finger on what. Mrs. Wendelkin said, Well, Mary, the mother of Jesus, had a black eye. That was something special, but only what you might expect, she added. She meant that it was the most natural thing in the world for a herdman to have a black eye. But actually, nobody hit Imogene, and she didn't hit anyone else. Her eye wasn't really black either, just all puffy and swollen. She'd walked into the corner of the choir robe cabinet in kind of a daze, as if she had just caught onto the idea of God and the wonder of Christmas. And this was a funny thing about it all. For years I'd thought about the wonder of Christmas and the mystery of Jesus' birth and never really understood it. But now, because of the Herdmans, it didn't seem so mysterious after all. When Imogene had asked me what the pageant was about, I told her it was about Jesus. And that was just a part of it. It was also about a new baby and his mother and his father who were in a lot of trouble. No money, no place to go, no doctor, nobody they knew. And then arriving from the east, like my uncle from New Jersey, some rich friends. But Imogene, I guess, didn't see it that way. Christmas just came over her all at once, like a case of chills and fever. And she was, and so she was crying and walking into furniture. Afterward, there were candy canes and tiny little New Testaments for everyone and a poinsettia plant for my mother from the whole Sunday school. We put the costumes away and folded up the collapsible manger and just before we left, my, mother, my father snuffed out the last of the tall, white candles. I guess that's everything, he said as we stood at the back of the church. All over now. It was quite a pageant. Then he looked at my mother. What's that you've got? It's the ham, she said. They wouldn't take it back. They wouldn't take any candy either, or any of the little Bibles. But Imogene did ask me for a set of the Bible story pictures, and she took out the Mary picture and said it was exactly right, whatever that means. Well, I think it meant that no matter how she herself was, Imogene liked the idea of the Mary in the picture, all pink and, and white and pure-looking, as if she never washed the dishes or cooked supper or did anything at all except have Jesus on Christmas Eve. But as far as I'm concerned, Mary is always going to look a lot like Imogene Herdman, sort of nervous and, and bewildered, but ready to clobber anyone who laid a hand on her baby. 
And the wise men are always going to look like Leroy and his brothers bearing ham. When we came out of the church that night, it was cold and clear, and the crunchy snow underfoot and bright, bright stars overhead. And I thought about the angel of the Lord, Gladys, with her skinny legs and her dirty sneakers sticking out from under her robe, yelling at all of us everywhere, Hey! Unto you a child is born.